Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? I hope that you are looking after yourselves. I hope also that you are making time for yourselves. And that's something I think that most of us seem to forget to do. We also, I think, sometimes feel that we don't deserve this time, this special time to cherish and to nurture ourselves, our mind, our body, our soul. And yet it's so important because if we don't do that, we cannot do anything to help anybody else. So it's important, whether it's to listen to your favorite music, whether it's to do your hobby, whatever it is that gives you that serenity, even if it's for half an hour. Because in a way, it is saying to yourself, you are worth it. You actually matter in this world. And that's something that we do need to remember, is that we actually matter. We matter at this time, in this place. And don't forget it. Don't ever forget your worth because that's one of the most beautiful things that each one of us has individually and uniquely. Now, I'm absolutely excited, I have to say to you, and very delighted to welcome my guest today, who is the very knowledgeable and very lovely Shireen Lovegrove. Shireen is a psychotherapist, an author, a mental fitness expert, and a speaker. She does other things, but she will talk about that later. She started her working career as a nurse, specializing in midwifery and intensive nursing sciences. Shireen is on a mission, and that includes helping women with pregnancy, fertility, and birth, as well as helping them with imposter syndrome. She also works with clients worldwide, helping them heal their childhood trauma, working through narcissistic parenting and dysfunctional attachments. Shireen is also an expert in neuroscience, hormonal and biological and quantum medicine. My goodness, an extraordinary lady. And today she shares her wonderful story. Welcome, dear Shireen. Hello, and thank you very much for having me on here. Oh, you're really very excited welcome. to be here. Yeah, 
it's it's I love what you just said with that introduction. And I oh. as and as I was busy as you were introducing, I love that you talked about self-care and self-help um mm-hmm. and, and and the ability to to do that because that just is really something that's so plays into something that I didn't do for myself right (laughs) and and only now as I've kind of got more and more closer to myself have I really begun to truly understand the the how critical self-care is that ability to to take time for yourself and to to purposely and reflectively do it with with a reverence to oneself um, That's very beautiful, with a reverence to oneself. Yeah. What a lovely. Yeah. And I love I love words and I love I love the I, the word reverence because it means to revere, right? Yes. And to revere is just such a deep thing because it means you've got to be looking deeply at it and and look at it with such adoration. Um and when we do that to ourselves and we look at ourselves with such adoration, it is it is the gift of, of, of something that's truly extraordinary. Um, you mentioned something which I, yeah, we're just going straight into this, but that's okay. uh, part of when you don't think that you are enough, right, mm. you start to do all sorts of things like um, certainly part of imposter syndrome, what sits at the base of imposter syndrome is I'm not enough. And what you do is you start to validate your entire life on seeking outward validation rather than turning inward and seeing that you are God, right? You are this person that's here, that that is the incarnation of the spirit or of, 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 of God. And so what happens is when you don't revere yourself, you can't give yourself that adoration that is truly this kind of adoration that you would give a higher spiritual source or a higher spiritual being. You don't give it that that sense of kudos or that sense of um, of 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 love of love. So what often happens is um, you you start to build these layers and start you start to end up doing so many things that then take you outside of yourself. And you start to do behaviors like being we call a superwoman, right? One of the, mm-hmm. the parts of, this, of the imposter syndrome is, is is doing stuff in the sense of being able to do everything very quickly and perfectly. So imposter syndrome is really about perfection, but what, it's a way you do your perfectionism, <laughs> which is really interesting. And if you and part of being, say, the superwoman, which is that one of the ones that wants to do everything all the time for everyone. It means that you get really burnt out, right? And you also end up spending a lot of time putting so much energy out there that you just don't have energy for yourself. But what's even worse is that other you don't give others the opportunity <laughs> to help you because you're so busy doing and they see you so busy and they think, oh, why should I be bothered? <laughs> so what happens is you really get run down. So that's one of the aspects of imposter syndrome. And of course, there is the perfectionist, which must you must do something 100% of the time perfectly and nothing else will do. And that, of course, can cause a huge amount of strain. 
on on oneself. So, I mean, there are a couple of others in which we talked about. You said, "Oh gosh, I've got this uh, this mass of of credentials in a sense of having done a lifetime of learning." But a problem yes. with that is part of that is the imposter syndrome is the hyperachiever. It's really about being able to do many things, right? Perfect. Mm. Always striving, always striving for qualifications, always striving to kind of get further and further and further, but never staying long enough to appreciate the success, to appreciate yourself, to appreciate the skill. And if something happens very easily, you don't value the fact that you, you know, you're pretty smart, right? So you value your success, which is really quite interesting. So there's a lot of things that go on and it's all stemming from this, I'm not good enough. And so the whole thing, which is so useful is when we revere ourselves, when we look at ourselves with that self-care, which you so mentioned and which I had to learn (laughs) um, and take time with, uh, is that you don't have to be anything but yourself. And that's really our job in the world, really, is to purely become ourselves, who we, who we were designed to be in the first place. What sort of either some people will think of it more our contracts we made, but we came here with in the circumstances that we came into, and our whole struggle has always been about how do we find ourselves, right? Yeah. How do we become who we truly have the potential to be. And one of that is that we've got to look and give ourselves that opportunity to see ourselves in the glory of that, of who we are and live that through, live through that glory of who we are. Very beautifully said, I have to say, Shireen, and very true. And I want to ask about your life, but I first want to just make a comment on what you said is that becoming all that we are and I have these moments where I suppose they're divinely guided moments where Mm -hmm. to become all that you are but we already are Mm -hmm. so is it the realization of who we are Mm-hmm. Is it that we have forgotten and we need to be reminded? Or is it that others have tried to make us forget because they mm. themselves have forgotten? And it's this perpetual circle that goes round and round, sort of never ending nor beginning. So mm. we are already mm. everything. Aren't yeah. We? <clears throat> Oh, it's uh, curious. <laughs> I mean, you brought up some massive questions there um, or, uh, or inquiry there. Uh, yeah, I suppose what I'm thinking, and I, I think it could be all of them, uh, yes. but I, I, can, I can probably just talk from an experience that I had when I was probably about seven years old and I had a, a dream that, you know, God came down and sort of uh, in those days when we when I thought about God, it was like this old man anyway, uh, because those were the p- pictures I had. And I had this, this connection of God coming down and taking me up into heaven. 
And when I went up into heaven, I saw lots of different angels, lots of, I was only seven, so I wouldn't have known about the different angelic realms or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and I don't spend a lot of time knowing about them, but it, I had I had seen all the different ones and the different sounds they were making, and and God was busy telling me, well, these are the thrones, these are the seraphims, and these are the cherubs, and these are, and I thought, God, <laughs> there's a hierarchy up here. But He said to me, which was really interesting, it, which was so contrary to my religion at the time, which was Catholic, Catholic, which was everybody will come to me eventually. It may take them many lives to get to the realization that they come to me. Nobody is no hell. The hell is the perception that we experience here. In the in the in the in the separation of not recognizing that we are God incarnated as the essence of his being here or her being. Which, whichever it is, but we are we are the energy of we all, each of us have that individual energy of God. So if we are that manifestation, then there has to be a, a, a purpose for why we didn't remember <laughs> for some reason, yes. because if we did remember right from the very beginning, what how might that limit our new learning? Or does remembering facilitate it? And I think when we have, for example, if we've got a set of skills that we, or a natural talent and we don't use that natural talent to build it and make it a true skill, then we've kind of not used the gift or the, or, or the, or the wonderment of what was given to us, right? Mm. Um, so, but we don't get given that because we have to face some challenges. But when we move along that path, I'm guessing we start to remember because as we work and let go of each layer, we because coming down, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. One of my beliefs, which was really interesting for me, is when, when the idea is that we are all contracted energy. So we're compacted. So for us, if you think consciousness, um, when you think of consciousness, is the ground of all being. So everything that we have, when we when we have an idea, if we write it down, it becomes a concrete thing, right? If we start to do things, a pattern in a certain way, we create a, almost what's like a concrete thing in our neurology. So by thinking and doing, we create something that's solid, but it's actually energy that's collapsed it's collapsed to form a structure so if you think about ice ice is slowed down energy and it forms a shape but water vapor is invisible right Mm -hmm. and so when we start to begin to go into those flow states or those states where we begin to to do the skills that we were gifted and we homing in on them, we start to release a lot of energy. And we start to get lighter and lighter and have more and more of those kinds of moments where we are creating like the creator. And that's when we start to remember who we are. So I think it's kind of a a same, we, we get forgotten, and maybe the forgetting for that is that we need to be able to learn our, the, our journey towards remembering. 
if that makes sense, because that's part of the journey, I think. Um, you are you said something as as has has somebody told us about um made us forget. I think I think there's an intentional forgetting. Just purely because as a baby, when we come into the world, I don't think we have the cognitive facility to truly understand the expanse of what it is. And so we have to find a way to open that expanse. Uh, otherwise, I don't think we would be able to do it. Maybe now with the new crystal children and with us being more conceptual, I think that that, that those layers are getting much, much, much thinner. But in the olden times when there was when it was a very different world, I think I think the remembering would have been far more challenging because we couldn't really see who our potential was. I don't know if that's answered your question, but or yes, yes. that's what I kind of think as I as I as I think, I think about I that. think there's every truth in what you're saying. And also I don't know what you think about this, Shireen, but I also think that as children, with especially with this experience, this godly experience that you had, mm. I think as children, children do tend to have a huge amount of knowledge and wisdom mm. and an openness. So this is why I'm unsure about this mm. whether in fact because as a child I remember that everything seemed possible mm. and things absolutely made sense it was only as I started to get older especially when I went to school or in my teenage years it sort of came back but up until about the age of 13 it was trying to fit into a world that everybody seemed to be part of but in fact, it wasn't really real. Yeah. Because when you talk to children, they have a completely different, and it's not just on a physical plane, I'm saying, but they have mm. a completely different um, interpretation of themselves, of life. And there is a certain magic about it that somehow gets diluted into adulthood. But for some people, for example, such as yourself, Shireen, it continues because for you to have such a wonderful experience, it's sort of laid the path for your life. Yeah. Well, it certainly laid a path for um, a, a, an understanding of life that's, that mm. was different yeah. from the way my current peers and people were thinking about things. Yes. And it obviously it holds challenges in the, at the same time, doesn't it? Because yes. you you sit in that conflict of knowing because I happened to tell the nun and she told me that I was evil. <laughs> Seven years old, I was I had to struggle with that um, when that happened, and I I did wonder how could somebody have that kind of idea, but then you got to realise this is where people are, you know, we, when people are frightened of losing something and something, someone tells them something which may or may not be true, they get very frightened. Um, and it's only with later, with understanding and, um, and an ability to, to, to understand that the way fear creates these kind of stereotypes and, and also the ability to be so cruel 
um, that I was able to kind of really settle that that happened. But it took a long time to really kind of deal with that because I never told another soul. I was too scared I was going to go to, to hell, <laughs> which was quite a big thing to carry through. Um, Indeed, yes. And given, and it, and it was quite hot, quite an interesting thing because I had lots of evidence of um, of the idea of being a powerful creator, lots of evidence, uh, lots of mystical experiences as a child growing up. And then I'd have all this other stuff where people around me were people that was that would tell you, well, if you kind of pray to whatever, if you pray to Mother Mary, for example, uh, then you're then you're a heathen, you know, um, and it was just really having these two things or these two dynamics that were constantly in my life. And I can see now that this was part of the biggest challenge of learning that to find my truth, right, to find what I believe in and reconcile that for myself. And I think once I was able to truly understand um or at least have a, a, a level of, of shifting from this idea that, you know, the way we perceive God to be as this human being, we've kind of created a human with human meat emotions and feelings. Uh, that isn't really what that is. You know, we're all made in an image of something. And so for me, I then started to realize, actually, what is the spirit? What is spirit? And start started to ask those kinds of questions and then you start to get a whole different perspective and I think Ramachandran was the probably really opened my eyes he's a professor Dr Ramachandran who talks about um who talked about uh temporal lobe epilepsy and all mystical kinds of experiences and it was the first time I realized oh my god (laughs) maybe it is our brain (laughs) maybe it is the outputting of our brain, which doesn't mean to say it doesn't exist, but what it does is it gave me another way to look at the world and then be free of all that other stuff. And so it gave me another way that I could start to work from the direction of my heart and connect my heart with my head more um, and truly understand, you know, the, the, the information about, our emotions and how, and I was thinking the other day, for me, my emotions are my spirit. It's my energy. Emotions are the driver. Our thoughts give us direction and our emotions make the body move. And um, I kind of thought, well, which is the spirit? Well, it must be our emotions to some degree. Uh, It drives the energies within the cells it makes the cells work and it makes us feel lighter and brighter and, and moves us on. So slowly but surely in my layers, they're all just coming in and I'm starting to get a real clearer, um, deeper sense more and more each and every day about those, those truths that are true for me. Yeah. And how did you, from that early age, Shireen, how did you, through the conflict of the nun or the adults in your life, for example, and all of that that was happening, mm. you were having these mystical experiences, but you were living in this sort of 
really sort of material world that's, <laughs> yeah. that's so far um, away from all of that. I mean, yes, of course, in certain cultures, in certain places, that is very much at the forefront, mm. um, but it's very rare. So at what point did this alignment, in a way, happen where it sort of made sense and you were no longer, I suppose, detached from it, mm. if you understand, but you were more in unison <clears throat> with that? Yeah. You know, I think once I once I realized that I had a language, you know, I've, I've always been a seeker. So I always wanted to know the language of God, which sounds really bizarre. But I wanted to I wanted to explain spirit in a scientific term. And so I was I, you know, I, I I started when I when I. I got called. So, okay, my first one of my my big mystical experiences that happened when I was at, at um, nursing was when I when I kind of realized I had this experience where I was outside in the universe, looking at the whole of the universe, connected by thin threads, and I realized that whatever happens, the the whole universe is sitting in a balance, and if something goes out slightly, then the system will go out, and it. And to watch the system to try and self-correct. So we talk about homeostasis, right? So this mm-hmm. was when I was doing my intensive care. Was a, it was it was a massive insight that happened because we were talking about acidosis and alkalosis, and we were talking basically either way you're screwed if it, if 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 you go very far on the spectrum because but the cells die both ends. Um, and I kind of hadn't clicked this. But when this happened, I it was life-changing for me in the sense of how I saw illness, how I saw what was happening to a person. So from that moment, I knew stress was the cause of everything, <laughs> pretty much. And I could I could see how the cascade happened in the body. Um and and I and I guess what I wanted at that point then was to kind of work out, because I I knew then that it was all about stress. But I couldn't at that stage really speak to people because there was not enough research on it. There was nothing almost. And um, so I and I remember always wanting and and I was pretty religious at the time when I said I would I was a, a practicing Catholic. And after and then after a while, I started to do NLP. And when I did NLP, I sort of got exposed to doing more and more uh, activation. And I started to see that there was a language that could be used to activate the soul in a way and in a purposeful way, in an elegant way. And after that, I started to, and I could see that there was an impact of these words on my body. So as I talked to myself, so we we talked about self-care, right? If you talk beautifully to yourself and you give your and you and you speak in reverence to yourself, you're lowering your 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 voice. You are basically talking to yourself. So that frequency is very um, it gets very much stronger. And it also causes a massive shift in the polarity in your body. And that then 
pretty much starts to make you feel much more expanded, much more um, alive and much more connected to the, the sense of the universe. And I realized at that point that the, the reason that um, there was this separation between science and religion was because there wasn't a conscious language. There wasn't a language to be able to talk about it. I could do something from NLP and I could talk and people still didn't understand me in the science world. Um, and I then started doing some work at the Quantum University, which, um, and I then realized, ah, this is the language. So since we've had um, quantum sciences, we've started to see how to, how to match it, map across belief systems that then can be understood by both worlds. And that's bringing this, this togetherness, which then sort of allowed my left and my right brain to connect on some level. And I, I just found that as I, as I started to, to get excited and more and more into it, um, it started to generate a greater, a greater sense of, of, of upliftment and, 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 and joy. And, and, and it wasn't, just a head thing because now I was putting my heart into it, right? So that was so that I mean it's been a it's been a journey, but it started really the journey was a slow one. And then it started to gather momentum once I had done NLP and 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 and, and did a lot of that. Uh, and then started to do a, um that my 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 neuroscience. And then the quantum university was when the language was there. And I thought, ah, and it just came together. I think it was just, you know, as as, uh, as we know that the more and more that you seek and you ask and you ask but and expect an answer, but you're not, you're not attached to an answer, you start to get more and more information coming until eventually it's almost as like you... You have so much now in your body that it starts to shift and change. So your critical mass is met. Yes. And I suppose it was in that moment of something shifting within you mm. that shifted everything around you. Yeah. And um, I don't really know. You know, when, when you have these moments, um, of divinity and an epiphany uh, they, they are really by grace i think that it happens by grace and mm -hmm. you were already as i listened to you shireen you were already as a child being prepared for something like this yeah oh i i truly believe that yes i truly believe that 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 i was i was Paid. I was. It, the journey has been a hard journey, but I think that these part of the the journey was to learn to stand strong and put your stake in the ground. Right. I I think part of when you know as as we talked about the idea that you know my my mother was a pretty much a controller and she did believe in a lot of corporal punishment, unfortunately, and. That really meant that dealing with authority figures was really hard for me for a very long time. And 
part of that learning was to learn to to be able to come into the space and say, no, this is how it is. So one of the things which I, I you know, like I, I said to, at, a, at, a, at a breakfast meeting the other day where I talked about, um, you know, neurological changes and I was saying something like, um, you know, most our children's success, health and well-being is, is, is predominantly affected by our peers, right? It's not their overall life successes and well-being, not our genetics and not our parents. The only time that parents have or mother has the most effect is during pregnancy. But long ago, I wouldn't have said that. Whereas now I'm going, hey, this is the truth. Because when you're one with something, when you're one with yourself, um, when you're aligned, then you can make massive changes. And the idea of pregnancy, when you're with your child, and you're one with your child and your, ba and your baby's got no other out, outgoings or out, uh, ability to be interrupted with except by you because it's totally inside you, that means that's where you're going to get your maximum effect. The rest, you're always going to have an effect on your child, but this is where you're going to have something that's going to be uninterrupted. And I hadn't really stated that so clearly and the more I, I talk about it, the more I realize, hey, you know, these there are truths that we have got to really talk about now um, that even though they may be political correctness, we've got to be doing whatever we've got to be doing now to make those changes because we're on an upward lift. You know, the world is changing and it's got, and there's so many things that are, that are, Fabulous, absolutely fabulous. But there's also other things that are there that are actually also counterproductive, and we and part of it is really to 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 start to talk about those deeper truths, those deeper truths that are going to truly be transformative for cultures and societies and um, and uh, for the world. Really, I agree. I agree with you, and I've heard this. Um, Shireen, where it's something that someone, a therapist, a uh, friend of mine, who had encountered somebody um, who had told her that actually most of the trauma, because I know you deal with childhood trauma, mm -hmm. um, let's see what you think about this. I mean, it sort of makes sense, actually, is that most of the trauma that a child experiences and a lot of the trauma that we carry as adults is mm -hmm. in fact a lot to do with how our mother was and mm -hmm. what state she was in during that pregnancy yeah. and that it actually affects every part of the child in, mm -hmm. in effect it echoes that sound throughout life unless we heal it somehow yeah yeah oh yeah absolutely Absolutely. I mean, there is, I mean, obviously we've got inherited trauma that comes through our genetics and we know yes, yes, that in yes. our genetics, absolutely that frequency or, or how it's placed on the genetic thing is right at the end where we have these histones that are very, the proteins are, are curled very tightly and, but they're not part of the actual genetics. They are, uh, they're proteins that are tagged on. 
And if they're nice and loose, then they'll probably be able to loose enough to move away. But most of the time they're clumped up. And so these are these protein molecules. So when we, when, when we young girls, young, when, as children, right, as children and as we grow up and we learn to manage and we and we and we begin to self-regulate in different ways uh shift the paradigm in our brain in in, in a particular way so we so we're able to quickly bring stress down we live a live a life that is that is healthy for us a life that's that's allowing us to expand then that then is going to make sure that when when you get pregnant right, you are going to have unraveled some of that already, right? So the frequency that sits around those eggs aren't going to have an impact on that egg. So, of course, you know, when an egg is, when an egg is in, in before an egg is actually made in, uh, separate, done into its 23 parts, it's obviously got to, it's got to divide and one, one egg one part of the egg dis- disappears, and the other one forms an egg, which forms with which which um, which is fertilized by the sperm to make a healthy a healthy um, uh, ovum. Uh, what happens is that in that in that in that area of the ovary, there is a frequency. So every cell in our body resonates. At different frequencies, if you've had craniosacral, craniosacrals will say your kidney resonates at a different frequency to your heart and different frequency to your lungs. So every part of us has a frequency. Every 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 organ has a has a different frequency. And if that frequency is not resonating at its correct resonance, what will happen is the egg itself won't have its correct resonance, right? And what happens is when when a baby is formed, my belief is that you go from an egg shape thing, a round thing, then it all of a sudden grows into a tube, and top it gets a brain, and then the gut is in the middle, and then so and and the and how it develops is from head down to tail, basically to the legs. But what tells those cells to go where? Very few people. Don't realize that actually it's your heart rate. Your heart rate sends uh, uh, a um, pretty much a whole a resonance. Like if you hear a but, look at a drum or you look at something beating, you'll see that it forms waves around the body, right? Mm-hmm. So our heartbeat tells our cells where to go. My goodness. Now, there's a genetic, obviously, there's a genetic um, component in the sense that our cells are going to go somewhere, but our heart is what allows it to create those, those tubules, those pathways for cells to track along to go to the area where they're located. Incredible. And that's how our heart is connected to every cell. Absolutely incredible. What It is one of the most amazing things I've heard in a long time. So Imagine if you think, that. Yeah, exactly. So if you think that you, as your heart is beating and it's, and it's giving a nice regular beat, or if it does have a shock and you come back quickly, 
then that cell, that, that organism is going to learn to self-regulate pretty quickly. But if you have it for a long period of shock and there's no coming back easily, that means that that organism doesn't learn how to self-regulate back to normal. And so it sits at a threshold that's higher than it should be. It takes you, while you're speaking, um, it takes you into a completely another world. Mm-hmm. You know, the unseen world of mm-hmm. before you came onto the earth and yeah. before even your soul yeah. entered into yeah. the body of your mother. Yeah. And then before, you know, you entered into um, onto this planet, in effect, and mm-hmm. it becomes far deeper and far yeah. wider. And it's, uh, I suppose, um, it's beyond words. but it's incredibly poignant and so important to understand this sort of thing that we are connected in so many Mm -hmm. ways. And I go back to what you were saying about all those threads that you saw. And it's impossible that whatever someone's doing on the other side of the planet is not affecting us, let alone... Mm -hmm how we were in the darkness of the womb yeah yeah and yeah we're all entangled we're all entangled and and you know and i think quantum quantum physics has now shown absolutely categorically that that we are that you know what happens on one side of the world is happening on the other because those electrons are traveling so fast and they are correlated with a spin which means that automatically if something happens, once something's correlated, it's automatically going to have an outside time. I really do believe in that there is something outside time that, that has an effect on us in time. Yes. Totally, totally true. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm. it, it, it is the outside time that is affected. So when we think about, uh, you know, babies in the womb or whatever, it's what's outside time that's going to get, make the maximum effect on your baby. So if you are able to do more meditation, but meditation or not just meditation, but really thinking in, in, a, in a different way and being in a different way, um, that in itself is going to ha- create this this. I would say this bubble around your baby um, where where it, it literally changes time for that child. I think it's a belief that I have. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Because when we move beyond time and beyond space mm-hmm. to this place that is timeless. Yeah. I think it's if we could connect to each other, and I think we do connect to each other. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm hundred percent that we all connect to each yeah. other in some other sphere or spheres. Um because you know, you can think of somebody and they ring you, or you can yeah. that's the simplest form, I think, of communication, or talking about someone and then you suddenly see them. Um 
whatever it is and you know you have a feeling and sometimes I think a lot of the time I remember I was traveling once and I had this moment of you know enlightenment I suppose where I started to feel agitated in a particular Mm -hmm. situation and I thought well why am I agitated because I actually have no reason to be agitated. And then I suddenly realized that the woman sitting opposite me was agitated. And I hadn't even noticed her, but I picked up on some frequency Mm -hmm. that she was emitting, of course, as we all do. Um, And then I thought to myself, well, actually, how much of what we carry is ours? And how much of this nonsense Mm. that is complete nonsense that we totally waste our time with so many things and beat ourselves with a stick and a broom and I don't know what is actually somebody else's that's emitting that, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. 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 (laughs) And then you just want to hit them with the broom. But no, on a serious note, um, (laughs) you just think, well, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it me? So me and my friend had this game when we were younger of is it me? What is it? The is it game. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say to her, I'm in a bad mood. Or she would say to me, I'm in a bad mood. Okay, is it, is it this? no is it that no is it this and as soon as we'd hit the is it of I don't know let's say um, the neighbor shouted and then you have that feeling within you that says that's it it's actually released Mm -hmm. so I think it's important to get to a place beyond time and space where like yourself looking down on the world you can actually see the reality of it that yes some of it is ours some of it happened when we were in the womb some of it as you said a soul contracts where hard luck you know, I don't know why I signed some of my contracts. I have to be honest with you, Jerry. <laughs> I mean, for goodness sake, what was I thinking? But here we are in any case. Um, <laughs> but um, reaching that place of where everything lies, you know, that space, that timeless reality. Imagine what we could do with each other and how we could change the world, in fact. Yeah. <clears throat> there, there are so many, so many things that you kind of, oh, there's so many topics within that conversation, that, that, that what you talked about there right now. But one of the things that um, I, I was thinking about as you were talking about the lady that was fidgeting and agitated and, and yeah. what's ours and what's not ours is, you know, as, as, as humans, you may have heard of mirror neurons. No, I haven't. What's okay, that? so mirror neurons are a part of our brain that is primed to, for our motor senses to copy others. That's how we, we learn to, to do, um, 
to do gestures. It's how we learn to, to you know, if you if you if someone yawns in a room, someone we'll all yawn pretty much. Mm. Um, these are mirror neurons, which are really for about social learning, really to help us bond and be with, right, so that we're not these outsiders. And it helps us also to learn skills very fast. So a lot of what as a child you're doing is you're mimicking, you're not modeling, you're doing more mimicking. Later you do more modeling because right? you're doing more, a bit of cognitive stuff that comes with it. So you have those mirror neurons. So the fidgety bit is that unconsciously we are already mimicking somebody else so that we know what they're doing. Right. So our, our body's already doing that outside our awareness. And it takes a real gift that you did there was to ask that question, is this mine? Right. Mm. Because most of the time we don't have to or we don't always think we have time to ask that kind of question which then will give us the, the, the facility to be able to go, hmm, now I was all right before. This must be about something else, right? Mm. And you started to look around, you saw somebody else was fidgety. So you have that, that um, kind of part of the mirror neuron that is very much there. It's just it, 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 these are signals that happen in our brain and they just do it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. it, it, it also, <clears throat> on a very simplistic term, for people out there that I suppose, like myself, sometimes, you know, I say, tell me like I'm five years old so I understand it. Um, but if I'm in a bad mood, then it automatically is going to affect whoever's yeah. around me. Conta if I'm contagion in a good mood, effect. Yeah. Yeah. If contagion. I'm in a good mood, it's going to affect everyone. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I don't know I if mean, you probably have because you're the expert here. Um I'm okay, you're okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Transactional analysis. And um <laughs> it, it is true. <laughs> well I mean it is really all about these mirror neurons, believe it or not. Mm. I know it sounds really bizarre. But if you had to watch a very sad movie and you put a pencil between your between your your mouth, so that you're that you're actually smiling rather than, or you're using the muscles that make us smile, you would be less reactive to that movie than somebody who didn't have a pencil in their mouth, because those muscles, just the movement of those muscles, change a mood. They change a state. And so it really is about the reason that we that we that we we have these neurons is that we can anticipate others and we can also learn in a different way, learn very fast, very quickly. So we can just automatically copy someone and then say, oh, that works. All right. So those are the those are the, the things that are really quite useful. And I think what's very useful then is when we understand that we have these mirror neurons, we can we can use that as a way to 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 influence um, positively. Yes. So we can we can choose 
to, to say, okay, this is a really bad state right now. What can I do here? Or maybe if I just put a, put a smile on my face, then I know from a mirror neuron effect, or I know that, you know, the way our brain works, it, it, it automatically encourages others to smile. So it, it creates that sense of safety and boundaries. It gives that sense of, oh, it's okay. As you said, I'm okay, you're okay. Yeah. But if, yeah. if I don't look okay, you're going to be a little bit concerned until <laughs> you know that everything is safe. And then you'll probably go, okay, quick, quick look around. And then you would go, okay, I can take control of the situation, even if that other person is a little anxious. But you would have a moment where you would have to check that the surrounds is okay. Something else is not going to cause any problem for you. So I think that um, the, it's a very powerful thing. And I think what's really important is that we, we're aware we've got these things and we have immense power, immense power to influence. We have, haven't we? And I think somehow in the past few years, it has become a very fast way, as you said mm -hmm. earlier, where a simple explanation, for example, is we had a mouse story where some mice had been rather friendly, let's say, <laughs> and um, they're not and my had favorite. More. Yeah. Um, oh, dear. And um, I was very distressed because I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't want to get rid of them because I don't want to kill them. But, you know, they are in the garden, a lot of them, and they've got this nest and what do I do? And I had this sort of um, moment of, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do about this? Because this is a lesson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I thought to myself, this is just so ludicrous now. Um, just get a grip. And then, Shireen, listen to what happened. Mm, I, spooky. Yeah, listen to what happened. I parked the car. I was so obsessed with these mice for about a week. I parked the car and I looked in this car and there was a mouse, a, um, a stuffed mouse, not a real one. And it had a sunglasses and a, sort of <laughs> a sombrero with a little wink. And I thought, wow. And I had to laugh at that point. And I thought, you see, Mimi, you weren't just over-exaggerating everything there. And then I went into this store and there was a little girl and there she was with her sandwich um, box. And what was on there? A picture of two mice holding hands. And I thought, my goodness, how much energy I've wasted on this. Had I put it into something positive, what would I have attracted to me instead of yeah. the bloody mice? <laughs> you know, um, and there was a wink because, of course, you know, um, someone out there is having a laugh because the mm -hmm. lesson has to be learned. And it makes me think it, you're absolutely right. It's a time now where you can manifest anything. Yeah. And we have to be so careful what we're thinking, in fact, what we're not thinking, yeah. um, what we're feeling, what are we putting our energy into more than ever before? Yeah, yeah. 
And the fact is that because we've now got a much, much, uh, and, and, and I think this is there's, there's also this critical mass bit, which is, you know, whereas we've doubled in a world population, which means we've doubled the, the mental energy, right, or the, the intentional energy that's there or non-intentional energy that's there, which means that it's much more magnified, right? So even and and so that means that our effect, I believe, is getting stronger. I believe yes. it's getting much much stronger. So now is now is really an such an important time that you know that we we really think about and and be careful in in how we how we understand that we are these we are a creator we are a creator. And we're creating constantly with the energy of the universe, and that, you know, we and and we and it, I think the moment we truly understand that fully, really fully, I think we, I, extraordinary things are going to start happening. I mean, truly extraordinary things. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, the the liftoff that I think is going to 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 happen. Uh, I love that. I love that you say, and then it will be extraordinary things that will happen because I think it's important for people to hear this for myself also, of course, because whatever you're saying to me, to the listeners out there, it affects all of us. To yourself, yeah. of course, as a reminder, I'm sure. Um, and it echoes across the world. So it's so important. And I'm so glad that you came to be this guest tonight, Aww. Shireen. That Thank you. What a beautiful wisdom, really. And, oh, my goodness, I'm never <laughs> going to forget about how the heart sends the messages. And I think that is actually throughout our lifetime and beyond mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. Yeah. The seat of everything, the seat of all creation, the seat yeah. of everything yeah. that exists in existence, non-existence, is at that yeah. throne in the heart. It's that that essence that's penetrating through the universe. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you kind of sit there and you think about it, it's a real profound thought. I mean, I, I, I don't even know how to make it even more profound, but it just feels like it's yeah. it's it's almost like unspeakable thought because it is such a such an extraordinary thought. I it's think. made me smile. It's made me happy, and you certainly have done that because I'm I'm sure for everybody out there also because you've given us also an insight into so many different ways of thinking, but not only thinking, ways of being that can ultimately even if somebody takes on board one thing tonight that you have said or that we have talked about mm -hmm. and it helps to change something in their life even to begin because everything begins with the first step exactly exactly you know, not, isn't it yeah, you have to. I mean, every journey starts with that first step. You know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. You, you, you know, and, and, and I think what's really important is, is, is understanding that everything, once you keep, once you keep going, you get critical mass, you know, you, it starts to snowball. 
Um, and I think what's the most important is that, you know, if if it feels like it's uplifting you, I think if anything is truly expanding you, and when I say expanding, it's not about going and having a drink and just kind of relaxing. That's not expanding you. That's relaxing you, and it might help you get through a shortcut through the next moment, but it's not expanding you into, into becoming more, into having more energy, right? Exactly. Because our, jo- yeah. our job, our purpose here is to be, I, I, I say to my partner, our purpose here is to be light. We are meant to come back to being that light source. And if we are doing that, then our, our, our energy would just automatically, the frequency in our body would just raise itself. Um, I'm mean, talking about expanded energy, but really, it's it's just that we are energy beings, and we want to we want you want to be living at the total or the optimal capacity that you can, and that means that you have boundless energy, and you and you're using less energy now to um, to lug yourself around because you're lighter. When and this is not lighter in weight necessarily, although you'll feel lighter in weight. Yeah, you'll have this energy because your muscles are full of energy and you'll be bounding, right? And your and your whole body will feel like something that's, you know, that you're, well, in my case, hopefully, it's that, that you're 40 years old or 30 years old or 20 years old. You, you would have that sense of of of, of negantropy where we, we're all obviously burning energy. Um, but what you want to do is slow that burn down so that you're having this very light burn as you as you waltz through life or mm. dance through life, whichever. And 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 that means you, you know, if we think in biblical terms, people were living to two, three, four hundred years. Our natural age is really meant to be in those years. And and we're not living that. Yeah. I know we yeah. are moving more and more, but this is this is really understanding that they they were living almost like on manna, in a sense. They were living on air in a way. They were utilizing the energy from the food in a very different way. This is very true because also um, when you're fasting, if mm-hmm. you do regular fasts, Shireen, they are. You enter into another dimension completely. Yeah. yeah. Because it just lifts you to a beyond the body state. Yeah. And that need, I suppose, you know, we need what we need as earthly people, but we are also spiritual people. Yeah. And if we can find methods that enable us even if it's on a regular basis, even if it's once a month, that reminds us, that propels us, as you said, towards uh, expansion. Yeah, I mean, I suppose to for people to really understand what we mean about expansion is, is really when you when you feel bad, you get that horrible feeling in your stomach, and it makes you want to feel small. It makes you feel ah. Uh, not nice, yeah? Anything that makes you feel less than who you are, anything that makes you want to cower or makes you just generally 
be not okay, that is contraction. But if anything is like someone smiles and you feel on, in a good mood or you do something for someone and you walk away and you feel as though you, all of a sudden the world, you know, has fallen off your shoulders, that's expansion. Um, and if you can live your life trying to keep those expansive moments then it's not that that's where the snowball happens because that's when the universe is going to dance with you everything will dance with you and it'll be life gets much much easier and and that's when you start to see your potential as a creator because now you co-create with that energy to make whatever it is that you want happen. And it won't be that you're wanting to, to go and be that millionaire. What you'll be wanting to be doing necessarily is saying, wow, I want to make, I want to fill what's inside me and I want it to be shared. I want it to grow. I want to expand others because that's the nature of expansion. Expansion is not just about expanding you, but it's wanting to expand everything around you so that all of that becomes much, much richer and, 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 yeah, more beautiful to be around. Absolutely. And to become limitless without yes, limits. Be, exactly. To become limitless. It would be lovely. And I suppose one of the things to really kind of get a sense of what it feels like to be limitless is, is when you when you're either in a bath or you're in a pool or something like that and you actually can you kind of have the connection with the water where you know no separation between you and 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 whatever is around you like when you were a baby <laughs> because when you were a baby you were limitless when you were a baby in your mum's tummy you were you were limitless because you didn't know anything else you were just one being how very beautiful and how you speak about it is with utter reverence the word of the evening it is truly and it makes everybody feel as if they are absolutely exemplary in worth yeah. And I want to thank you, Shireen, because it's been an absolute pleasure, really. I have learned so much from you tonight. Well, thank you for having me. And I've I've really enjoyed being here. It's been lovely to just talk. And it's a totally different subject from what I expected to be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to come back again, aren't you? And we're going to talk about I, other things. <laughs> I'm sure I'll talk about other things. I, I mean, obviously anything to do with spirit is something that I, that really excites me anyway um because we are spiritual beings aren't we yes and uh it's another way to just allow uh something that's really deep and profound to be voiced and i think that's a gift thank you for letting me share that with you oh you're very welcome and i think what i'm going to do i'm going to put a hat on now <laughs> and i'm going to feel very 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 wonderful with my hat and respecting myself and this feeling of reverence I think everybody should do that I wonder as I mean I, I love the word 
uh, just playing with words, and I was, and the word that kept jumping up again for me was to reverse. <laughs> to reverse. Yeah. So, like when we reverse ourselves, we reverse back, and we become younger. Oh. I think we're all young anyway. I think this yes. whole age thing is a load of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just interesting, you know, when you, when you, when you start playing and, and you start to see words coming in and, and it's almost like spirit starts to talk and says, oh, pay, with, pay attention to that word because that word yes. now has got this meaning here and this meaning there. So, yeah. So, yeah, reverence <laughs> mean, can, can help you reverse time. Which, of course, is timeless and limitless. Yes. And there we have it. <laughs> there we are. You see, within Actually, the magic of the word. Uh, before you go, and yes. where can people get in contact with you and learn about all the things that you do and um, gain some wonderful wisdom from you? Right. So... <clears throat> I, uh, you can get me on all the social platforms. I'm on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, I have a website, so SharonLoveGrove.com. Most of that is mainly uh, for imposter syndrome and and some of those other things. But I, uh, I mean, there, there are more things that are going on to the site, which will have more to do with working with quantum stuff. So uh, I'll have that in there too. Um, Please do yeah, come so back again because I, I would, would love to know more about um, the quantum stuff, as you put it, um, and also about childhood trauma because a mm. lot of people do suffer immensely from that sort of thing. So please do come back again. I will do. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're very I welcome. Oh, thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of the evening. And you too. Take care. All right. All the best, Shireen. All the best. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Shireen Lovegrove. Fascinating stories, really. And it's so wonderful to hear all these amazing stories. Thank you so much for joining me today. I send you lots of love. And look after yourselves and enjoy the day. Until next time, lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovic.co.uk.